in baseball, if you fail 70% of the time, you go to the Hall of Fame, right? In sales, we don't come close to a 30% success rate. The best of us succeed 10% of the time, maybe 15% of the time. We live amidst rejection and there's no choice. I mean, you have to go through the rejection in order to get to the yeses. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Alex Goldfain with us, and we're going to be talking about five-minute selling, the proven simple system that can double your sales. Alex, welcome to the show. Steve, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So by, by way of introduction, Alex is the CEO of the Revenue Growth Consultancy, which works with organizations to implement systems of remote and proactive selling that routinely generate 10 to 20% in new overall sales annually. Alex is also a best-selling author, and he very recently published his fourth book, Five Minute Selling, The Proven Simple System That Can Double Your Sales Even When You Don't Have Time. Great title, by the way. No, no one's got enough time, right? That's right. Agree. Thank you. <laughs> you want me to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Tell, <laughs> tell, us, a little, tell us about the, the book and the title and, and, uh, and, so, and why people should read it. <laughs> as we talk to each other here on Wednesday, the 26th, uh, the book has been on the market for about 24 hours. It came out yesterday. Uh, was the official launch day and uh the my thinking behind it the, the reason it's called five minute selling is that in five minutes we can make an awful lot of proactive communications and uh, i've seen salespeople who are clients of mine uh add 50 percent to their sales a hundred percent to their sales even triple their sales in five proactive minutes a day, communicating with customers and prospects proactively when nothing is wrong. That's the key. The key is we have to talk to them when nothing is wrong because most people only hear from salespeople when something is wrong on the phone, right? I can't get it to you in time. It's going to be late. Um, the price is going up. Aren't you glad I called? And uh, if we reach them to help them, to honestly say, Steve, what are you working on these days that I might be able to help you with? I'd like to help you. And they don't, they're not getting phone calls like that. We're all sitting by the phone. Uh, we're all at home. We're all at our desks. And we're all sitting by this. And nobody's calling it. The only time it rings is somebody announcing a problem to you. So if we can be present in system, systematically is the key. Sales will shoot up. Great concept. So in your book, you mention, and you just mentioned this concept of proactive phone calls. Talk, tell me a little bit about how field salespeople can be proactive when reaching out to prospects over the phone versus um, the other ways they could be, I'm not sure, reactive or um, only reaching out when there are bad things you mentioned. Tell me how, how they can be more proactive. What does that mean? So uh, most salespeople live reactively, which means uh, the phone rings all day long and we answer it. And on the other end of the line are customers who need something. They have a, a problem or they have an urgency, right? They need it yesterday or you screwed it up. Um, where is it, right? You sent me the wrong product. I don't have enough. My guys are standing around, right? You're killing me. So 90% uh, of salespeople live this way, reactively. We talk to people who have problems or urgencies all day. We're busy as hell, right? I'm not suggesting anybody's sitting around, right? Plus they're, they're field salespeople. So they're on the road, driving around from one customer to the next, trying to cram as many visits as they can. So between that and answering the phone, it doesn't leave a whole lot of time for picking up the phone and saying, Steve, it's Alex. How you doing, man? I was thinking about you. How's your family? How are the kids? What are they doing, right? How was their summer? 
Was it normal? Did it feel a little bit normal to them, right? What about school? What are they doing for school? Um, are they going into the building? My kids went to orientation today in the building for the first time in six months, right? That actually happened to me today, to them. Uh, and I'm so happy they got to go in the building. Like, we don't really know each other, Steve, but we could talk for an hour about the things we have in common in dealing with the pandemic, right? And then I would pivot the conversation gently to business after five minutes of catching up. And I would say, what are you working on these days that I might be able to help you with? What are you working on these days? What projects do you have coming up? If you sell products, what do you need quoted, right? What are you having trouble getting quoted that I can help you with right now? And when you pivot to the business like that and ask to help people, nobody is going to get mad at you because they don't have anybody in their lives offering to help them like that. Uh, and they're going to be grateful for it. And they're going to look for ways to reward you for it. Makes a ton of sense. And what would you say that field salespeople should include in every one of these proactive phone calls? What are the, what are the ingredients? Um, obviously, you mentioned kind of the relationship building and keeping in touch with types of connecting discussion points, but what, what else is in there? What, what are the, if, I, if you were going to write me a recipe? I don't know that we need a strict recipe for every one of these. I think what we need is to say, I was thinking about you, right? That's ingredient one, because when you tell somebody that it's impossible to get mad at you, uh, you're honoring the person, right? When you tell me you're thinking about me, that's, that's an honor. That's lovely. And then I would say, how are you? How's your family? I always ask about family and talk a little bit, react to what the customer's saying, listen. And then you pivot to the business, which is the third thing. And that is, what do you got going on that I can help with? I'd like to help you. Then um, you talk, you have a conversation. So I would say those three things. And I would also say that if you connect with those people, great. But there's really good odds you're going to be leaving a voicemail. And in five minutes a day, I can leave a lot of voicemails, right? I can leave 10 voicemails in five minutes because that's 30 seconds per effort. And when I leave those voicemails uh, with the script that's in the book, about one half to two thirds call me back. One half to two thirds call me back. So huh. that's that. I mean, that's about, that's amazing. I mean, that, that well, those I'm are calling people who I know. Right. So it's easy. Right. Okay. I'm not cold calling. Mm -hmm. So the key here, and I, I said this earlier, but I said it with a whole bunch of other stuff. So the key with these proactive calls for everybody listening is we need to call people who recognize our name and whose name we know. That doesn't mean it has to be somebody you're close to or somebody even that you've been working with for a long time. It simply needs to be somebody who recognizes your name and or your company name, right? So I'm calling people who recognize me. I'm not cold calling them. They know who I am. They've seen a speech. They've read my newsletter. They, you know, follow my webinars, whatever. And, or they've read my books. And at some point we talked about something or they attended a talk and they said, I want you to reach out to me. So I'm doing it. But they might've done that three years ago, you know, and we didn't connect three years ago. So I'm trying again. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason one half to two thirds call me back is because they know who's calling them. Now, if it was a cold call, they wouldn't be. And it doesn't even need to be that they know your name. They need to know the company's name, right? If they know Badger Mapping and they don't know who you are, knowing Badger Mapping is enough right? Which is what you do, Steve. So that's why they call back. So let's think about the system of this. Uh, the key to sales success is the system. It's not doing it once in a while when you happen to think about it. These are snowflakes that fall to the cement and melt. You know, these are, these are fleeting. Individual actions are fleeting. Uh, done in system, however, 10 voicemails a day in five minutes, is uh, 50 a week, 200 a month, 2,400 a year, if my math is right. Half to two thirds, call me back out of 2,400. 
half of 2,400 is 1,200. Let's say you're really bad at it and only 1,000 call you back. That's 1,000 proactive conversations with people when nothing is wrong. Five minutes a day you set that up. If you talk to 1,000 more people than you did yesterday, right, than you do last year, how could business not grow? If you have the kind of positive, enthusiastic, connecting relationship conversations where you're trying to help people, they're going to be looking for excuses to do business with you and, and, to, do, and to spend more money with you. They're going to, literally going to be thanking you with their money, Steve. That's, that's what every salesperson is looking for. Um, so let, let's, let's make this tangible for our listeners. Pretend that um, you're leaving me a voicemail. You know, I'm the CEO of a software company and, and we, we know each other from, um, we met at a conference a year and a half ago and we were at the same table and we chit chatted a bit. You learned a bit about me, I learned a bit about you. And then we never talked again. You might've left me an email. You sent me an email and called me then, but now we haven't talked since. What, 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 is, the, what is the voicemail that you would leave in that particular situation? And then after you leave, after you tell, after you leave it, we can kind of dissect what it was that sure. you did. Here it is. Uh, Steve, hi, it's Alex Goldfain. I hope you're well. Uh, I know it's been a while since we talked, but I was thinking about you because uh, first of all, I remember our conversation back at the conference uh, fondly, and I enjoyed it. I still remember it a year and a half later. Uh, and secondly, I was actually working with a client of mine on sales growth, and uh, it made me think of you. It's actually a business similar uh, to yours. And uh, I'd love to tell you what's happening there because they're up 30% as a direct result of uh, our work together. So listen, if you have a few minutes, uh, I'd love to catch up with you. Here's my number, uh, and I'm uh, excited to hear uh, the latest in your world too. Look forward to talking. Thank you. Awesome. So break that down by elements. What, 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 did, what was there? All right. So if I remember everything right now, if you, if you remember something I don't, just remind me, okay? Sure. Um, so uh, first of all, I said hello, <laughs> like a human. <laughs> mm -hmm. Secondly, um, I told him, I told you I remember our conversation a year and a half ago fondly. Mm -hmm. And I might have even spoken a detail of what I remember, but I didn't do that. I should have set an example, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I remember you love, um, I don't know what, where are you at in the world, Steve? Uh, San Francisco. So I remember how we talked about the 49ers and the bears and your team sure had a better season than my team, something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then I said, I thought of you because I was working with a customer who reminded me of you and they're similar to you. So now I'm telling you why I thought of you because I have somebody like you and they're up 30%, which I did for them. And I'd like to do that for you too. I'd like to help you that way. So, so uh, I'd love to tell you what's happening there and would love to hear your latest. So I'm not just saying, call me back so I can sell to you. I'm telling you, I have somebody like you. They've grown this much. I'd like to do that for you. Call me and I'll tell you what's going on there. And also I want to hear what's happening with you. So that's why one half to two thirds call me back. And you see the whole thing took 30 seconds. Absolutely. I, I think it's fantastic. Um, so let's dig into the telling them about the 20 or 30%, uh, you know, that, that someone gained from having worked with you, that piece. How do you, how do you choose what to tell customers, what you can do for them and how do you shape that, that, uh, comment? How do you customize it or do you customize it? And, and how do you decide and, and recognize what's, what's going to be an outcome that they're going to be really excited about. I don't even know that I think about it for as long as you just asked the question. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, and maybe because I do it automatically, so I break it down, I, I need to break it down. But w when I'm talking to a prospective client, I'm telling lots of stories about my current clients. You know, I'll give you an example. I have a client right now that's a manufacturer, uh, a Canadian manufacturer of synthetic stone. 
and they're a $300 million business when I started with them. This year, in a pandemic year, they're up uh, 60% on the West Coast US, 70% on the East Coast US. Now that's not all our work, but much of it is our work because they got to proactively communicating in system with their 150 or so customer facing people that went through my program. And it's no more complicated than the fact that they're present in front of their customers and prospects way more. And they're asking them lots of did you know questions and lots of reverse did you know questions. And I plant these techniques of mine because um, I think they can help the person listening, right? So I'll plant did you know, reverse did you know, quote follow-ups. Uh, and people will say, if you're hearing that, you say, well, what is that? Tell me about that. And then I do. So could you, could you explain that a little more? What is it? What is it? What is it? Did you know? You see what just happened? That's exactly what happens in a, in a, in a sales call. And, and now, now we're in a conversation, right? So here, I'll tell you a story about the, did you know, uh, I was at the Minneapolis airport buying an iced coffee. And so you asked me a question, a factual question. I'm answering it with a story. I just did that automatically. Now you got me thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was buying an iced coffee at the Minneapolis airport and, uh, there was a young lady behind the counter. She was probably 20 years old. And she said to me, would you like a bottle of water with that? And I said, oh my God, she just asked me the, did you know question, which we're going to talk about in a second. And I said, do they teach you how to ask this question? And she said, yes, they do. It's a part of our training. And I said, how many people buy a bottle of water? And she said, almost everybody buys a bottle of water. I'm getting on the airplane. Of course I need a bottle of water. Guess how much the water costs, Steve? It was one of these fat bottles of water, you know, kind of short and stout. Four fifty. <laughs> yeah, you're right there. Five bucks was the water. Guess how much the coffee cost? Three dollars. The coffee cost three. The water cost five. With the simple question, would you like a bottle of water with that? This coffee shop nearly triples its revenue from $3 to eight. Not with water, not with coffee, but with water. Not with its main product, but with an ancillary product. And if they didn't ask, almost nobody would buy. Why? Because I've got them niched for coffee. Just as your customers, if you're listening to us, they have you niched for that thing that they always buy from you. And further, you niche them. This is all they buy from me. This is it. I have a client that sells paint, Steve. Uh, they have customers that only buy black paint from them. But their white paint, they go to another supplier. <laughs> And so we say, did you know we can also help you with your white paint? That's a did you know question. A reverse did you know question is, what other colors of paint do you buy? Right? So let me come back to the, um, let me come back to the story about the coffee. They nearly tripled their revenue from $3 to eight with a three second question, right? Would you like a bottle of water with that? And so the question becomes for everybody listening to us, as you sit in your car and you drive to your next appointment, the question is, what is your bottle of water? What is the bottle of water for this customer that you're going to see right now? And then the next one, and then the next one. Because I would suggest to you that almost all of your customers are buying things from the competition that they could be buying from you. And uh, not only that, they would like to buy it from you. And you would like to sell it to them. But none of that is possible because they don't know. They niche you for the black paint only for the coffee only, but for the water, I'm going to walk five minutes down the terminal to the Hudson's gift shop, right? For the white paint, I'm going to call my other guy, my white paint guy. But if you tell them, why don't you just let me help you with the white paint, man? Right? We're talking now. What do you need to go to four people like me for? Let me help you with it, right? You don't need four headaches. Let me handle the headaches for you. I want to help you. And when you say that to somebody, they're going to say, okay, Somebody wants to save me time. Here you go. Get me my white paint too. That's yeah. a did you know. Yeah, I also, I, I love this concept. And I also love what you mentioned there about the reverse did you know question. So asking, what else do you need that's like this? Ask, ask your question, your, your customer directly, and then elicit yeah. their response. Like, oh, actually, I could use some green paint. I, I, I buy that all the time. Well, because they're going to say things you don't even know. Right? You don't know what to ask about. And look, I've got a chapter in each of these things in the book here. They don't need a chapter. You know what I mean? They need a paragraph, but I was writing a book, so they made me write chapters. Um, <laughs> they don't need a chapter, though. Everybody knows these questions. And so the key is to ask them in system all the time. And I'll give you another example. We know statistically 
that 20% of did you know questions close, Steve. So we know this for a fact. So over, over millions of did you know questions over the years, 20% turn into business. Now, ask five, they're about three seconds each. Did you know we can help you with white paint? Would you like a bottle of water with that, right? Did you know mm-hmm. we can help you with this um, add-on with your software? Three seconds each, uh, 15 seconds, 20% close. So ask me five did you know questions. You'll add one line item in time. Ask 50 at 100. How many salespeople do you have, customer-facing people, Steve? Um, about 30. Let's say 30 people asked five did you know questions a day, right? Because they talk to people. And I can ask five did you know questions just to you, just to one person, right? Let's say 30 people ask five a day. That's 150, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 150 a day, I think, is 750 a week. Mm-hmm. 750 a week, I think, is 3,000 a month. 3,000 a month is 36,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That's 36,000 did you know questions a year. We know 20% will turn into a new line item. 20% of 36,000 is 7,200. 7,200 new line items. So give me, if I buy your Badger mapping software, if I buy your main product, is there an add-on? Is there a service? Is there additional things I can do with you? Nope. We just have the one app. So I was, that's exactly what I was just thinking. But as you were saying, this is like, huh, too bad I don't have another app. <laughs> we, well, we, uh, we actually, we, uh, we, we're a little different than a lot of companies. So we, we, we've, we've bundled everything into one application. So we could have made the choice to make the initial application cheaper and then have a bunch of add-ons to that application. That we, you know, that we know that most people would get, but instead, you know, we do like, you know, four or five major things for customers, and, and they're it's all in one application, all rolled together, bundled, and okay. uh, and in, in software that happens a lot. You know, like you sure. can't buy just Word, but not Excel from Microsoft. You get the entire, you get the entire suite. So if you uh, had something unbundled or additional options, and you asked did you knows about them you should expect a lot of extra business closed. I mean, maybe I should just sell water. I mean, that water bottles are paint. I mean, I could add that on. <laughs> Everybody needs water. Who doesn't need water? Everybody needs it. Um, the uh, Another thing you just mentioned was quote follow-ups. Tell, tell yep. me about a quote follow-up. What is that and how does it help? This is a great thing for um, people who are in the car. So quote follow-up is the last 1% of the work. So if you've done all the work and you've built your relationship with your customers and you um, you know, service the customer well, and they like you and they appreciate you and they value you. And then they asked you for a quote or a proposal and you sent it to them and now they have it and now they're silent. And so you've got to do the last 1%. And that is the follow-up. Steve, where are you at in that quote? I was thinking about you. I'd like to help you. And so if we do that, we're going to close a lot more quotes. Right, in my experience, it's 20 to 30% of the outstanding quotes will also close. So um, I had a client, uh, a salesperson who told the story. Every time he got in his car, he printed off the stack of yesterday's and last week's cl- uh, quotes. Yesterday's first and then last week's came beneath it. And he simply followed up on him. He called as he was in the car. He simply called. And when he did that, I said, what happened to the close rate? I said, what was the close rate before you started following up? He said 20 to 25%, a normal close rate for distributors. I said, what happened when you started calling to follow up? He goes upwards of 80, 80%. Where are you at in that quote? I was thinking about you. I'd like to help you. They're not quiet and silent because they don't want it. They're quiet because they're busy. And you're not asking. If you ask, look, they asked you for the quote, right? They asked for it. You didn't send it to them against their will. They asked for the quote. So now call them and say, listen, I'd like to help you with that. Ask for the business, right? When can we start? How would you like to pay? I'd like to get moving on this, right? I have 10 in my warehouse. Should we lock them up for you? Right? I'll have them. I could have a delivery truck there on Tuesday or Thursday. What's better for you? When can I expect the PO? Another technique of ours, a pivot to the sale, right? Which means asking for the business. But basically... When you follow up on quotes in system, again, everything's got to be systematic, not once in a while, all the time, you're going to find your sales shooting up through the roof.
You also mentioned uh, using stories a second ago. Can you talk a little bit about what your tips are about using stories? I think that, um, I mean, how many have I told so far in our, in the, in the, what, 20 minutes we've talked so far, probably five or six already, mm -hmm. right? The sales guy in the car, following up on quotes, paint, the water, the water and the coffee, which one? The paint, the paint, um, and others that I can't remember anymore, but I know that I know we talked about others. So when you tell people success stories, you're doing a bunch of things. Uh, first of all, you're showing them what you can do instead of telling them what you can do. Instead of speaking about the facts and the specs, you're showing them somebody like them that you helped, right? You're, you're adding color to it. You're adding um, energy to it, enthusiasm, entertainment, right? Um, that's number one, showing instead of telling. Number two, you are showing them that you have people that you work with like them. So you've helped peers of theirs. And especially, so what I would do is uh, I would try to think of uh, uh, my client names who my prospects would recognize, right? So I would, you're, I don't know, maybe name dropping is the name for it, but I want them to know who I'm talking about. And if they don't know who I'm talking about, I tell them, look, it's a multi-generational business just like you, right? Grandpa started it, then dad ran it. And now the third generation's in it, just like you. So I would describe the business and connect it to them. So you're, you're essentially giving a reference to your prospect actively, right? And then, honestly, after that, the content of the story doesn't matter very much. You just want it to be something that's interesting. And so you want to you wanna sort of have a story for any moment, you know? You have a, have a story, have a, have a library of stories that you can fall back on that you went through that are interesting and entertaining. And, you know, certainly stories you've told before that, you know, get a nice reaction from people. And if I can tell you a story, I can get you to picture what I do. If I just tell you what I do, we're just talking about dry sort of facts and specs. So that's the power of a story. And uh, what about three second actions. Can you explain three second actions to me and how you use them? Yeah, I mean, a did you know question is a three second action, right? Did you know we can also help you with this or that? A reverse did you know question, three second action. Um, okay. What else do you need that I can help you with? Um, I had somebody ask that question, here comes another story. Again, I don't even notice these things, but now I'm conscious of it. Uh, I had a client salesperson stand up in a speech in a workshop I was doing with the company a follow-up second workshop. And uh, he stood up and he said, I asked the reverse did you know question to my customer. I said, what's on your wish list? That was his question. What's on your wish list? Customer started rattling off things. So she got to six or seven and I couldn't keep up anymore because he was writing them. And I said to her, why don't you just think about it for a minute and email me the whole list and I'll tell you what I can help you with. Send me the whole list. And she said, okay, good idea. They hung up. He said, in 15 minutes, the list showed up. 24 things. 24 wow. things on the list. I said, how many of you sold? He's standing up telling the story in front of his peers, right? I said, how many of you sold? He said, only 18. I'm like, dude, get to work. You've got, you know, six more to go. And these <laughs> are repeat purchases, right? So if somebody buys from him once, as, as probably most of our people who are listening to this right now, when you sell somebody something for the first time, it's likely the first of many orders of that thing. So what we're doing with these three-second actions is we're stacking repeat purchases, right? Stacking repeat business, one on top of the other. So those two, did you know, reverse did you know, three second actions. Pivot to the sale, three second action, right? When would you like to start? When can I expect the PO? Um, the quote follow-up, three second action. Where are you at in that quote? I'd like to help you. Um, asking for a referral. Steve, who do you know like yourself that I could help the way that I help you? Three second action. The key is not one or two three-second actions. The key is give me five minutes of three-second actions, right? In five minutes, I can do 100 three-second actions. Actually, that's the math, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I can do 20 in a minute, and I can do 100 in five minutes. And so the key is the system. 
instead of once in a while, which is a snowflake falling to the ground melting. If I do it all the time, it's a freaking blizzard of activity, of value, of, of connecting with customers and prospects, and of helping them in tremendous ways. And, and about that helping them, the, you know, about the way you help people, what, what, is this why people love to give referrals? Why, why do you think people love to give referrals? People love to give referrals. Um, they, have you ever stood in a circle with a group of people and you uh, ask for a chiropractor referral or, a, or, a, or, or like a painter for the walls, you know? Does anybody have a good chiropractor? My back's been really bothering me. And you're standing at a cocktail thing when that used to happen. And what, what do the other three people do when you ask for a recommendation? Everybody's got a recommendation. <laughs> they fight with each other, right? No, 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 no. You got to use my guy. My guy's better because, right? And they want you to use their guy. They open their phone and they shoot you the contact, right? Let me shoot you the contact. We used to... Uh, we used to hand business cards, right, back in the day, and now we shoot contacts. Everybody shoots a contact, too. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you've got a contact from everybody. And if you don't use their guy, they get upset about it. But why did I give you the referral if you didn't go to him? So people love to give referrals. Why? Number one, um, they want to help. They've got a friend who needs something. They've got a good provider. They want to connect them, right? Number two, if I give you a referral... Steve, and that person buys from you. And tomorrow I need something from you. And I say, Steve, help. And you say, Alex, I'm too busy. I will say to you, remember my referral yesterday, dude, you're not too busy for me, right? With a smile, <laughs> but I need your help. And if you want another one, I need you to help me here. And you're going to feel like you owe me, right? Like you're kind of obligated to me. So you're in my debt a little bit. And so that's another reason people like to give a referral because I do something nice for you. One day I'm going to need something from you, right? And you're going to, I'm going to get, I know I'm going to get that help. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, if you refer somebody to me and they do great and they grow their sales and they're happy and I'm thrilled because I got business, who looks best in that scenario? Who comes out smelling like a flower? Smelling just amazing. Yeah, you. The referrer does. So... People love giving referrals. It's just that we don't ask. We're afraid. So what, when we is do the reason we don't do these things. If you, we're talking about all these things, right? Mm -hmm. if, you, if you wanna know why we know these things, but don't do these things, it's because of fear. Absolutely, yeah. No, that, that, and when, when, we, when we do ask for a referral, what should salespeople include in include when they ask, when they're trying to get someone to give them referrals, what do you, what do you think, uh, what do you think they should include in that discussion? The question, so there's, it's, it's one question and then a little follow-up. One question is, the question is, who do you know, like yourself, who I can help the way that I help you? Or who would benefit from my work the way that you do? And then you zip it and you be quiet and you let the person answer the question. Because I've been thinking about asking you for a referral for a while, but you haven't been thinking about my referral because I just asked you. So you don't know it was coming, so you gotta think about it for a minute. Too many salespeople nervous chatter their way out of a referral or business when they ask for the business and it's quiet and the customer's thinking. We chatter our way out of it, we lose mm -hmm. it. We talk through it. The person's thinking, right? Don't interrupt them. I don't care how long it takes you. I'm going to count to 100 in my head. I'm going to sing a song in my head. Whatever I need to do, I don't care. I'm not going to talk until you talk. At that point, either you're going to give me a name. And if you do, uh, I'll continue the conversation. Or you're going to say to me, well, let's, let's do that conversation through. <clears throat> you give me a name, right? I got Joe at ABC Company. I say, okay, great. Uh, Joe, and what does Joe do there? Is he the owner? And you'll tell me what he does. And then I'll say, um, would you prefer to connect us or is it better for you if I reach out to Joe and just use your name? What do you like better? So just having the name is not enough because I don't know what to do yet. I don't know how to reach Joe yet. Uh, then I'm going to ask you, are you going to connect us or do you want me to reach out and use your name? What's better for you? And you're going to give me an answer. You're going to say, I'd like to connect us because 90% want credit for the referral. 
Um, most people will say, I'll just send an email connect to you guys. Great. And then my last question, the third thing I need is, um, when do you think you might get to that? So that I'm not bothering you, you're busy, you know, uh, I'm busy, uh, I don't wanna bug you. When might you get to it? You're gonna say Friday. And I'll say, okay, so let me just recap. Now I'm gonna recap, right? I've got the who, the how, and the when. Who, how, when. You're gonna connect me to Joe at ABC Company. I just wanna make sure I understand. Um, and uh, you're gonna email to us by Friday, you think, uh, which is awesome. And so if I don't hear from you by Friday, let's say even into next week, let's call it Tuesday, right? Tuesday, and then you have the following Monday. Um, if I don't hear from you by Tuesday, is it okay to follow up and reach out to you about this? And you'll say, of course it is, fine. And that is how to ask for a referral, it's a conversation. We need the who, the how, and the when. So it's not a, do you know anybody who can use me? That's a yes or no question. It's who do you know who I can help the way that I help you? So that you're thinking of a name instead of yes or no. And after you give me a name, I need to know how you're going to connect us so I know what to do. If you don't tell me how to, how you're, what, what you want me to do, I don't know what to do. That's how complicated my stuff is, right? I need to know what you want me to do. And then when you tell me that, I need to know when I should do it. When do you think you might get to it? I don't want to bug you. And you tell me that. That's how to ask for a referral. Great advice. Um, when you, you mentioned chatter and, and, and salespeople talking too much there, what, what role does silence play in sales? And how can silence help salespeople be more successful if used appropriately? It plays a huge role in selling. A gigantic role. And it's rare. Um, again, we, so many, because of our discomfort, not the customer's discomfort, our discomfort with, with pauses and silence, we chatter our way out of business, out of referrals, out of yeses. Um, we think that silence means they're mad at us or silence means they're uncomfortable. They're just thinking, you know, and when we talk, we interrupt them. Uh, and there's two kinds of silences. The first one is the kind we were talking about, ask a question and let the customer answer, right? Sort of macro silence, silence where you, you ask something direct and you wait for an answer. The other kind of silence is uh, in a conversation. And when you finish your sentence, when we talk and your part's over and there's a pause, I don't start talking right away. I'm going to give it two beats, 1,001, 1,002, and see if you think of anything else to share with me. Because in those pauses, oftentimes the customer will jump into them with more information that I won't even know to ask about and you won't know to ask about. They volunteer things into the pauses because you're giving them oxygen to think. So that's another way. And many times I'm having a conversation and somebody finishes and I pause and then they, they keep going because I've given them that space and they give me valuable stuff. So there's two kinds of silences, the bigger one and the little one. <laughs> and how, how does rejection play into all this? Why, why do salespeople fear rejection and, and what would you recommend that salespeople do to deal with rejection? I mean, who gets rejected more than us, you know? Uh, in baseball, if you fail 70% of the time, you go to the Hall of Fame, right? In sales, we don't come close to a 30% success rate, right? We don't hit 300. The best of us succeed 10% of the time, maybe 15% of the time which means nine out of 10 efforts were getting rejected. I mean, it's immense, you know? We live amidst rejection and there's no choice. I mean, you have to go through the rejection in order to get to the yeses. If you're not getting the no's in sales, you know what you're doing? You're emailing. <laughs> that's what you're doing. You're emailing and you say, oh, that's it. I've sent it, I've succeeded. What? No, what, what have you done exactly? Did they get it? You don't know. Did they see it? You don't know. Did they open it? You don't know. Um, you don't know anything. What do they think? Nobody knows. Did they reply? No. 
So we avoid rejection with email. And, you know, again, if no rejection, no success in our business. We're, we are the most rejected species on the planet, <laughs> salespeople. And with that comes a gigantic discomfort with it. You know, it sucks to be rejected all the time. And to many of us, it's painful if, we, if we're not thinking about it the right way. And, and we do everything we can to avoid it. There comes a time where you do everything you can to avoid rejection. And those are the people who email instead of call. And those are the people who won't ask for the business, even though they know they should. Those are the people that don't follow up on quotes. Those are the people that, you know, don't ask the diginos or the reverse diginos because God forbid, we'll say no to them and then they're going to die. It's death if I don't need the white paint, right? If I'm good with the black paint. And after they die, their kids are going to go hungry and they won't be able, nobody will be able to pay the mortgage. And of course, none of that happens. But that's the enormity of the fear. It's enormous. So, and it's also automatic, right? We don't take the time to think through any of that nonsense, right? Well, that sounds really stupid. Like, of course, that's not going to happen. But because it's automatic, we don't even know it's there. It's in our subconscious. And it's, it's the great defining characteristic of salespeople is fear of rejection. And, for, and, and that's 90% behave this way. Uh, for the vast majority of people, uh, they would rather avoid the risk of rejection than ask for the business, you know, which means the need to feed their family is, is smaller than their need to avoid rejection, if that makes sense, right? Right. Well, we, we act emotionally. We don't act, uh, if, if we thought it through like that, then I think we'd all ask for the business more often, but um, because we react emotionally to the fear of rejection. I think uh, in, in, our, in our lizard brain, there are a few things worse than being rejected because we could get kicked out of our, our tribe, you know, if, we, if, we, if we're rejected by the tribe and that could be even life and death. Um, you know, so it's probably when our, in our lizard brain was, was being evolved and formed, the, the fear of rejection was, was injected into it. It's, it's funny you bring up the, uh, the, uh, the baseball hall of fame versus, versus, uh, salespeople. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the president of the sales hall of fame. And, uh, and I can tell you that it's harder to get into the sales hall of fame than it is to get in the baseball hall of fame right now. <laughs> I didn't even know there was such a thing. There is. I, I'm the president of it. It's a, it's a great, it's a great, uh, great thing. We kind of bring in sales, uh, I mean, a, a sales leader or a thought leader gets nominated and we bring them in and, um, you know, kind of get a synopsis of their work. And then, you know, we kind of get a little collection of the things that they would like to show people, uh, you know, and then what it's become is kind of a way for people that just want to, you know, check out a whole bunch of sales thought leaders or, or they, they can kind of quickly flip through a hundred of them and just kind of see, oh, here are the, here are the ones that were kind of hand selected and, um, and here's a little synopsis of all their work. And, and yeah, here's cool. a, I'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, totally. We can talk about it. It's a, it's a cool, uh, it's a, just Google sales hall of fame. It'll come right up. Uh, right on. But so, uh, very cool. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. You know, our, just one more point about the rejection, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that our behavior in sales follows our mindsets and because we can't outperform our thinking, right? You, have, you can only behave how you think. If you think you're bothering the customer and annoying them and they're going to reject you and then you're going to die, you're going to behave accordingly to avoid death. <laughs> and again, I'm exaggerating. We don't think those words, but they're, that's how big the fear is, right? Absolutely. Well, and, and that's what I was saying. The fear is there. The fear is that enormous to us because yes. when our lizard brain was being evolved, rejection was a really big deal. And we have to be rejected to succeed, right? Mm -hmm. I was having a drink with a friend friendish um and mostly because of what happened in the story <laughs> friend to friendish uh we're having a drink and he, and you know i've written this is my fifth book that we're talking about here and he said alex i want to write a book i said okay what do you want to write about so he told me and he goes what should i do i said well you got to start pitching agents and publishers and be be uh, prepared to get rejected a lot you know you're going to fail and then you'll succeed eventually probably and he said to me no, 
because I've never failed at anything in my life. <laughs> yeah, 44-year-old dude. And it took everything I had, Steve, not to say, well, then you've never tried anything interesting, man. He's either out of his mind or, or massively underperforming compared to what he's capable of. <laughs> he's, it's, it's, it's that... Well, I don't, I don't want to get into psycho, psychological analysis, but... I've, I've failed like six times today. I mean... I mean <laughs> I've, I've probably failed thousands and thousands and thousands of times, you know? And, or been rejected in sales well, situations. I mean, how do you... I, can, I couldn't do, even comprehend. It's a, that's like asking me how many meals I've eaten in the last 20 years. <laughs> how can you do anything of interest without failing and so or or, or massive risk about, of failure i mean you don't, you don't always fail when you try things but there's certainly the risk that you're gonna fail and you talk about you know lizard brain and sort of you know would like nobody teaches us how to deal with rejection there it's not taught anywhere you know when we go to school and not all salespeople go to college but but even if you do Nobody teaches you anywhere what the hell to do when you're rejected. And it doesn't, it's, frankly, there should be courses on, on how to deal with this. Because if you're um, ambitious in any way, whether it's for your own job and climbing the ladder or whether it's just in your sales work or whether you're not even in sales and you have some ideas of what you want to do in life, I mean, you're going to get pounded by rejection and you've got to be able to deal with it. And so most of us end up having to learn it as we go and deal with the byproduct of it, which, you know, the first time my first business blew up, I was 24 years old and I was running a computer training business and I had 12 people and it was, a bit, you know, for me, it was a big company. I had people in their forties and in their fifties working for me and they were managing me and I wasn't managing them, you know, uh, I didn't know how the hell to manage people like that. And that business blew up with the internet bubble in the late nineties. Uh, no, it was like, it was 01. It blew up in 01. I started in the late nineties, blew up in 01. So it lasted two, three years and disaster, you know, in my head and in real life disaster. And that really was the first big, big failure. You know, I'd been rejected in sales situations, but first thing, something I worked really hard. I didn't work. Everything else had worked, you know? And Nobody teaches you how to deal with that. You've got to get through that crap on your own. And everybody, you know, anybody who's a really successful salesperson has figured that out. We have to, we have to figure it out. But 90 to 95% of us haven't, haven't. And so we avoid it. And I'm telling you, if you can be proactive in system, and the thing that stops us from doing that is in fact fear. If you can be proactive in system and just do the work, and just grind, grind the work and get on the phone, you will be in that top five to 10%, you know, pretty much by default. Cause, cause it's easy to get into. I mean, it's, it's not easy to get into it, but it's, it's, it's not a crowded place. And it's really easy to stand out from the rest of the crowd just by being present, just by being present. Absolutely. Well, you've talked about, uh, kind of how using this system, the five minute selling system and, and doing these three second actions, you, you know, it's, it's very clear that you could very quickly stack up a lot more valuable customer interactions. How do you track it? How do you plan and, and track your success with the five minute selling system? And, and what are, how do you track revenue that flows from things like your three second actions? Yeah. So the book, thanks for asking. The book is based on, uh, two planners and two trackers, two planners and two trackers. These are in the book, but then, you know, you can go to my website and, and download them and print them out. So here they are printed. This is the proactive call planner. And on the call planner, I want you to spend five minutes here. You can see there's eight different categories of people you can call. And I want you to write down who to call. I think the reason we don't make calls is we don't know who to call. We have a lot of things in our lives with names and numbers in them but we don't have anything telling us who we should call today. <clears throat> and so if we take five minutes and think through who to call, uh, when it's time to make the calls, you'll have a list in front of you and you'll do it. And so you know, some of the categories are customers who used to buy, but stopped. 
Right now, try thinking of five customers who used to buy from you but went away. It's hard to think of those people because they're not in our head. They're not calling us and we're not calling them. Another one, uh, customers I haven't talked to in three months or more. Try to think of five. Can't do it. They're not calling us. We're not calling them. They're not in our heads. So we need to choreograph proactivity here with this planner. Um, then we track it. This is an action tracker. An action tracker has room to write down. What did you do? Who was the customer? What did you say? What did they say? One line. See the, the two main parts there. What did you say? What did they say? And then there's a little column at the end that says dollar amount. It's got $2 on it, right? And some codes. And in that dollar amount, I want you to write down how much your three-second effort can be worth. So if you ask me a did you know question about white paint, I want to know how much can that value, how much can that deal be valued at, right? So how much white paint do you think I need? How much does the white paint cost? How many times a year do you think I'll buy it? Give me a, give me a value to your three-second question. So I want you to connect thousands of dollars to your three-second effort. And when you fill up this piece of paper, whether it's sales opened, progressed, or closed, any of the three are fair game. You opened it, you progressed it, you closed it. I want a dollar value estimate next to it. When you fill up this piece of paper, and then the next one that goes on top, and the next one that goes on top, you have a gold mine of opportunities to follow up on and dig into and chase. And also what you have is proof of your success written down on a piece of paper. I did it. Here's the results I generated. And you get energy from that and you get motivation to go do it some more. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. When you were saying that, it reminds me of a, a, th a little uh, practice I used to have when I was in field sales. Um, whenever I was gonna have like a drive that was more than like 15 minutes, I would whip out my to-do list um, which, which of course was on paper at the time. Um, but I would move up my, my, my to-do list and just write down the phone number and name, um, of a bunch of people right into my phone. Um, actually, how did I do this? Maybe, I guess cause this was pre phones. I think, no, I, I guess, no, I must've had a cell phone cause I was making calls out of the car. So I would, I was, uh, I was writing down all the numbers onto a piece of paper and then I would dial the numbers on, it was a flip phone. So name and phone number, but I would just pull off all the people, like all, all the things on my to-do list, I would just scan through and grab like 10 or 15 things where the next step on the to-do list was to call them and have a conversation about this, that, or the other thing. And I would just have those quick calls. Yeah. I would drill through that list while I was like, you know, driving back from the airport yeah. or driving, driving yeah. to this next customer meeting or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you, that's, if, if you're a field sales rep, you've got all the time in the world in that car, you know, and, 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 you know, instead of emailing before or after you get in the car, instead of, uh, or maybe not even instead of, maybe in addition to your audio book or whatever, or serious XM that you listen to, uh, get a pile of quotes to follow up on. Get a list of customers you haven't talked to in six months or more to call while you sit in the car and just leave a message, right? Chances are they're not going to pick up. Just leave a message. I was thinking about you, right? We did the whole script already here. Mm -hmm. How you doing? I miss talking to you. What's going on with you? Let's connect. I got a good story for you from a customer similar to you. Yeah. And the, uh, no, it's, 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 it was a fantastic thing and really helped me. So I guess I was kind of doing a mini un, un informal way of what you were, what you're describing here, which is really, uh, it seems like a fantastic process. The, the next step, the next uh, piece of our show here today is sales in 60 seconds. I'll ask you quick questions um, with the hope of getting quick answers from you. First question is uh, what is the most important question sales reps should ask when qualifying? Uh, I would say, do you need what I sell? And um, I would even say better, uh, where do you buy what I sell now? Do you have an app or a tool that you use daily and couldn't live without? 
and it doesn't have to be the Badger map, you can be honest. <laughs> uh, I love the Pomodoro timer. Mm. Familiar with these? Yes. The, do you have do you want me to elaborate or, or should I just stop there? Yeah, no, no, no. You should tell. Yeah. You're, you're not telling me. You're telling the audience. So yeah, I, I, I think these are great. Uh, so a Pomodoro timer started as a kitchen timer when you're making your eggs or whatever you're, you're cooking. And Pomodoro means tomato in Italian. Yep. Yep. And so it was a tomato timer. You would turn the top half and it would tick down. And there's apps now where if your goal is to make your proactive phone calls first thing in the morning, which is when they should be, or sometime during the day, you sit down, you start your timer for whatever amount of time you want it to go. You know, I set 15 or 20 minutes and I start calling people. And as long as the timer is running, I'm calling and leaving messages. And as soon as the timer is done, my break timer starts because I said that for a break to get up, walk around, I get up. Now, if I'm in the middle of a conversation, I'll finish it, right? I won't interrupt in the middle. Sure. Get up and I walk around. My timer's up. It dings on my phone too because the timer follows me around. And uh, I come back and I do the next thing. I actually used it to write the book. I wrote five minutes selling in a month. And uh, I left the days relatively open and I wrote it in 20 minute sprints. Which movie should every salesperson watch and learn from? Oh, good grief. Uh, do you know, the movie that affected me more in, in, my, in the work that I was doing back then was, uh, was called The Shipping News with Kevin Costner. The Shipping News is an old movie, I think, from the 2000s, I believe, early 2000s. Have you heard of this? I have not, no. So The Shipping News is about... Uh, a guy, Kevin Costner, who works in a tiny little town in Newfoundland, I think. And his job is to cover in the newspaper the, uh, uh, the, the, what is shipped in on the boats. So the boats come in, and his job is to write articles about the boats. Well, he said the stuff on the boats isn't interesting. What's interesting is the people who own the stuff, the people who are buying the stuff, the people who own the boats the people who are doing the shipping. So he started writing about people. And it was those stories when I was in my, you know, early to mid twenties that affected me and sort of planted a seed in how I sell. I was just checking if, uh, I, I know my, my marketing team had done some research and written a uh, top 25 list of best sales movies. And I, no, I hadn't heard, I hadn't sales heard. Movie. Yeah, I hadn't it's, heard of this uh, one before, I, so I went back and checked, and it wasn't on the list. I was no, like, it's, <laughs> it's out of the box. Uh, it's not a sales movie. It's a, it's a movie about um, how stories affect the process, mm. you know? And it stuck with me that telling stories and giving examples, and it's the people stories that you want, you know? Like yeah, you I, and you do a fantastic job of that. I mean, I, I hear, I see how you weave stories into, into every, everything you're doing. We, we could yeah. all learn from that. Thank you. You sell an app and I sell sales growth services, but we all, you know, both of us could benefit from telling the stories of our customers and how they improve from our product or service to prospective customers. Absolutely. What, what is the greatest sales lesson that you've learned over the years? Never, ever, ever give up. Uh, Thomas Edison said that many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up, which means the next step might be the one that does it. If you stop, you'll never know if the next step is the one and you might always wonder. It's one of the reasons that, uh, Badger is the name of the company. Uh, the, uh, cause the Badger is a very tenacious animal that never gives nice. up. Nice. Um, so, uh, what should all salespeople do every day to become more successful? Uh, call five people a day on the phone when nothing is wrong and uh, ask them how you can help them and catch up with them and uh, look for ways that your products or services can help them. If you call five people a day and even just leave voicemails, there's no way your business won't grow. And as an actionable takeaway, what should the field salespeople listening today do as a first step to get started on 
the five minute selling methodology? I mean, you know, the easy answer is go buy the book. Um, and I'd love you to buy the book, but I don't want to be that guy. Right? <laughs> no, I, tell them. They, these, are, these are field salespeople. They make a lot of money. They, they, they get paid to get better. If your book's going to make them better, they should go buy the book. Look at <laughs> If you have, and, and I, you know, I'm cognizant of giving value and hopefully you, you feel like you've got some value from listening to our conversation here. Uh, the book, Five Minute Selling, is a silver platter, right? So here, if it was silver instead of yellow, right? And I'd be holding it here. Um, everything you need to grow your sales significantly and very, very quickly is in the book. And the book is a system itself. I, chapter two is called, I don't want you to read this book. I want you to do this book. So if you have half an interest in selling more and you're listening to the podcast, so I would guess you do, um, get the book, man. It's all there. And it's not theory in some professor's office. It's things that we know work, right? More than 10,000 people do this in system now as we sit here, clients of mine doing this. So we know what works. We know the statistics around how it works. Um, yeah. I don't hope or wonder if this will work for you. I know this will work for you. And if you want to take more money home to your family and help your customers, just do some of these things that are in the book. I mean, yeah, that's the answer, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I've set the, I've kind of set the podcast up like this because it's, you know, people are getting a little taste of, of you and your ideas and, and kind of the direction they are, what the philosophy is behind them. They and if it, if it resonates with them, then there's a, a very easy way to get more. You know, we're, we're not, we're not out of Alex Goldfein. There's more Alex that you can have. <laughs> so this is a, this has been a sampler platter of Alex, but there's more, there's more Alex. Um, I'm going to attempt to summarize all the wisdom that you've dropped on us here today for all the folks oh that boy. are driving around. I don't think I could we're... do that at 4.30 p.m. <laughs> Central Time right now if you asked me to do that, so I'm glad it's you. Well, fortunately for me, it's only 2.30 Pacific Time. I know, so... and you look really tired. I mean, it's, it, it, I, I feel... <laughs> it I must feel, be me, huh? <laughs> I, I feel... I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to... <laughs> well, a lot of our customers listen to this, or not customers, listeners uh, listen to this while they're in the car. So it's really helpful to get the summary. Um, so in summary, with Alex Goldfain here today, uh, have proactive conversations with your prospects or customers to see how you can help them when absolutely nothing is wrong. And that's kind of the, the, the crux of, of what he's trying to get you to do today is reach out to people when nothing is wrong. Call people who recognize your name or your company name. And in the voicemail, you've got to include these three elements. Your greeting, you got to reference the past conversations or interactions you've had. And you got to include what you thought of them since, or include that you, have, that you thought of them, that they were on your mind. Um, uh, and it, because you recently worked with or helped a similar customer and show them um, how, how, how you helped that, that person, give them the, the stat or the evidence or the, or the statistic behind it. He, he said, you know, sell 20% more is what he said. Um, ask, did you know questions? So questions, uh, to see how you can further help your customer with solutions or products that, that you provide. And, uh, between these three, three things that I've just said, so uh, the proactive conversations, the, you know, leaving that voicemail and the, and the did you know questions. Um, these three actions will, will help you stack and repeat more purchases. Don't be scared to ask your happy customers for referrals. Ask them, who do you know like yourself who could benefit from my work like, like you benefit from it? Then be silent and let them think. Then figure out the who the how and the when of, you know, so who they know, how you're going to get connected and when they're going to get connected and figure that out about the, about that referral. And, and then remember to always give your customers time to think after you ask a question, add in gaps of silence. So customers can tell you things that you may not know to ask about. Salespeople fear rejection, and, and this is become, because no one teaches people how to deal with rejection. But in sales, 
you absolutely need to be rejected to succeed. You have to take risks. So you really need to be proactive and, and, and uh, you can't be proactive and get after things if you fear rejection. So it's, it's a key thing to get past. Take five minutes to plan who to call. Uh, might be calling customers who used to buy or customers who you haven't spoken with in the last three months and track what you said and what they said and track how much your three second question might be worth. And this will help you continue to come up with your gold mine of opportunities for following up and, and, and provide yourself proof of your success that really is motivating to help you keep doing it. Uh, Alex, I think this has been so valuable, your, your insights and the, and the stuff that you've shared with our, with our listeners today. Where, where can our listeners read more about your work how do they best reach out to you and connect with you? So uh, my website, goldfane.com, uh, has all the details on my work. If you're interested in, in help growing uh, your team, growing sales of your team. These planners and trackers that we talked about are available as a free download there on goldfane.com. So when you get the book, go there and get your planners and trackers. So it's a system and you have it. Uh, my latest work appears on LinkedIn. Uh, so you'll see videos and audio and articles and um, it's all there. And those are the, really the two places. And if you want the book, of course, go to Amazon and buy it. That's the best place. You'll get it the fastest. Excellent. Well, th this has been a, a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. Really appreciate your time, Alex. Thank if, you for having uh, me. I'm grateful. Absolutely. Hey, can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt your sign off. <laughs> no, uh, it's fine. How did you capture all, all that summary that you just read back? Were you typing it or writing it? Typing. I, I, don't, I don't write with pens or pencils. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's hard. So you were typing <laughs> all that as we talked? Yeah. Yeah, that was well done. I mean, just, the, just notes on it and then, um, you know, then, then I can fill it in. With my Would little... you like to come with me to prospect appointments and just recite that in front of prospects? <laughs> so that would be great if you could do it instead of me. If I could just recite, well, yeah, it's, you know, send your prospects this, uh, <laughs> this, this podcast and it's a nice little summary of your work, I think. Good. I'll do uh, it. I, I try to get people to do summaries of their, of their work and then I summarize the summaries. It's like, it's like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm drilling down to full millennial, you know, the, the, nice. the, the I, I try to go like two minute attention span and give people yeah. a nice, nice nugget, you know. Nice. Good. Well, thank um, you so much for having me. I'm really grateful to be on and get to try to help some of your listeners. And I hope, I hope we did some of that today, Steve. Thank yeah, you. we, we absolutely did. And um, if our listeners can think of any other sales reps out there that would benefit from learning the skills that Alex has taught us today, uh, share the love and forward this episode on to them and take care until next time, everybody.